This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am Jeremy Myers, your teacher for this podcast. This is episode number 88, and we're looking at Jonah 4.4. You ever been angry at how God runs the world? I was listening to another podcast recently, and it was a Christian podcast, but he had an atheist guest on the show. He was interviewing the atheist, and the atheist said, if your God exists, then your God sucks. I could do a better job running this world than he is. Why doesn't he stop the wars, the violence, all the rapes, and the murders? <laughs> and then the Christian, and he went on to discuss that idea. Have you ever felt like that? I'll be honest, I have. And Jonah did too. In fact, that is one of the reasons the book of Jonah was written, to address that very issue, that question. Book of Jonah shows a prophet who was angry at God for how God runs the world. And we see in the book what God says to Jonah about it, especially that's what we're going to be seeing in Jonah chapter 4. And that is partly what we are discussing today in Jonah chapter 4, verse 4. Now, it's hard to dig into all these issues about the character of God in a 30-minute podcast episode, so if you want to learn more about the character of God, how he behaves, why he behaves the way he does, I invite you to join my online discipleship group. I have hundreds of hours of audio lessons there that you can listen to when you're walking your dog, doing the dishes, on your commute, whatever, from the comfort of your couch. Also, if you don't like to listen to audio stuff so much, you prefer to read, well, you can download the audio transcripts. Uh, the lesson transcripts, print them off and read them at your leisure. Later time, pass them out, study, do a small group study with them, whatever. Okay, and uh, when you join the group, you also can contact me with any questions you might have. And also there's a secret private Facebook group to uh, interact with other students in the discipleship group as well uh, from all around the world. Anyway, uh, the people in the group say they have never had Bible and theology training be so much fun, be so interesting and helpful in their walk with Jesus. So I I really think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, To to join, learn more, just visit redeeminggod.com slash join. Okay, see you there. Now let's turn to our study of Jonah 4.4. So as we begin begin today, I want to start off with a story. It's a story about a man named John. He was a popular pastor in Northern California. Uh, His church was quite large. He had published several best-selling books, and uh, his sermons could be heard on a weekly radio station. Nevertheless, uh, there was a dark memory from his past that still haunted his life and ministry. As a child, John had been molested. One day, as he was praying, he very clearly heard God tell him to go preach against the inmates in a local prison. The prison was notorious for housing hundreds of convicted child molesters, and uh, so God told John to go and preach a message of judgment against them. 
But John did not go. Instead, he signed up to volunteer with the local police department as a chaplain to the officers, the police officers who risked their lives every day to keep John's city safe. One day, as John was walking through his neighborhood, several police cars came screeching to a halt around him, and John was arrested. He was taken down to the local jail and was charged with molesting a young girl from the local elementary school. He's innocent, of course, but he spent three days in the local jail, and then In one of those rare mix-ups that sometimes do occur in our legal system, John was sent to the local prison with all the other child molesters while he awaited trial. Uh, It took the authorities nearly six weeks to figure out what had happened, uh, that they had arrested the wrong man, that John should be released. During those six weeks, John had the opportunity to get to know many of the child molesters in that prison. You know what? The more he got to know them, the less he liked them. (laughs) Just as he suspected, the vast majority of them were grotesque, evil, scheming, backstabbing perverts. For the first three days in prison, John tried to tell the men that in 40 days, God was going to destroy their lives if they did not repent. This is the message God had given John to tell them anyway. Okay? And John realized that maybe he was sent to prison in this way because he had originally refused to obey God's instructions. So he decided, well, I'm here now. I might as well obey and declare God's message of judgment and destruction upon these child molesters who, who are in this prison. Okay? The thing is, though, is the men were not very responsive to John's preaching, to his warning. Uh, some of this might have been due to the fact that he continually declared his own innocence. I'm innocent, you're right. <laughs> I didn't do, I didn't molest anybody. You all did, but, you know, God's going to destroy you. Um, even then, though, none of them seemed to hear what he had to say. So after about three days of preaching, John gave up. He figured, I tried. You know, these guys are too wicked to listen and obey. In his prayer time, uh, he said to God, there, I did it, God. (laughs) Now get me out of here. And so John retreated to his cell and uh, spent his days studying and praying. Much of his time was spent asking God to judge the wicked sinners, all these child molesters around him, uh, at the same time while delivering him from prison so that he could go back to his home and back to his successful ministry. Uh, In many ways, these, these days were very wonderful for John. He stayed in his prison cell. He was able to bask in the shade of God's grace and mercy in his own life. He spent his days, sun up to sundown, in prayer and Bible study, a luxury he never really had when he was a pastor on the outside. However, much to John's shock and amazement, even though he had retreated to his cell, he became aware that apparently some of the child molesters had actually heard his preaching and were heeding it. In fact, some of them were taking up his message and were spreading it around to others. And so over the course of the next couple of weeks, every single child molester in that prison repented. It was a full-scale prison revival. There was weeping and crying for the things they had done. The men stopped scheming against the prison guards, and the prison quickly became more peaceful and joyful than it had ever been. 
Well, on the 40th day of his imprisonment, the authorities came to John, pulled him out of his cell. They apologized to him for putting him wrongfully in prison. He was released, and uh, John expected that as soon as he left the walls of the prison, God would send a giant earthquake upon the prison, or you know, a meteorite from heaven or, or something, and uh, destroy the prison, just as God had told John to predict to the child molesters who were there. It was God's message after, after all. God sent him there after all with this message. John had preached it and declared it, so why wouldn't God do it? So after John got out of the prison, first thing he did was he went up on a hill overlooking the prison and waited for the fire and brimstone to fall or the earthquake to swallow the prison, or whatever it was. But nothing happened. So John became very angry. And he said to God, God, this is why I didn't want to go to those men in the first place. I knew that they might listen to what I said and would repent. And if they did, you would have mercy on them and not destroy them. He said, but God, they have destroyed the lives of countless children and families. So they deserve to die. And besides, now that you have not sent the destruction upon them, which I predicted in your name, God, do you think they're going to continue to live according to your will? <laughs> of course not. They're going to think it's a false alarm. They are quickly going to return to their wicked ways. As for me, John continued, my ministry is destroyed. Yes, the charge of child molestation has been dropped, but the shadow of such a charge never leaves a man. I cannot go back to pastoral ministry. I will never publish another book. The radio has canceled my broadcast. What am I to do now, God? You should just kill me and be done with it. And in that moment, John heard God say, I gave you your success in ministry, and I blessed you with those 40 days of prayer and study. Can I not also bless these men in that prison, whose lives you know nothing about? The End you might uh, recognize some of the details of that story. Obviously, it is a fictional story. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> uh, how would you respond if you were in John's situation? Probably with some anger, right? Um, you know, and actually, obviously, that story is based on the story of Jonah. John is Jonah. Um, but, but actually, the details of the story of Jonah are a little bit different. In fact, uh, the historical situation is different. Imagine, again, going back to the story of John, Imagine if the situation was that you knew for a fact, all right, a fact that some of these child molesters were going to get out of prison and then repeat their crimes at a later date, right? If you knew this was going to happen and God sent you to that prison to preach judgment against them, and then they, in a, just a, you know, a little act of repentance and sorrow, said, oh God, we're sorry, we're sorry, uh, and then so God didn't destroy them the way you had predicted, but you knew that their repentance was not going to last. They were going to get out of prison. They were going to go repeat their crimes again. Wouldn't you be even more furious at God for not doing what he had predicted he would do? Right? He had just enabled them to go and molest more children. That's what he did. And that is exactly the situation that Jonah is in. 
All right, in Jonah chapter 4, we've seen so far in the first three verses of the book that Jonah is furious at God for not destroying the city of Nineveh. And part of that is because Jonah's ministry has now been ruined, uh, but, but the people of Nineveh have repented, have been delivered from destruction, and Jonah knows there are prophecies that Jonah is aware of from other prophets uh, in Scripture that Assyria, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria, that Assyria is going to come at a future time and kill and enslave the people of Israel, right? So that means Jonah knows that this repentance of Nineveh, it's not going to last, it's not going to take, it's not going to stick. And so that is part of the reason Jonah is so angry, and we can understand it. (laughs) In fact, for myself, I even agree with Jonah a little bit. This is what makes the rest of the book of Jonah so important for us to read and understand. In Jonah 4, God and Jonah engage in a dialogue about what God did and didn't do, and why God did it. All right, so we we pick up in verse 4 today, and basically in response to Jonah's honest and angry prayer, verses 1, 2, and 3, God asks Jonah a question in verse 4. Now, the question is only three words long in Hebrew, so there's actually quite a bit of debate about how to translate these three Hebrew words. And I'm not going to get into that big debate. You can pick up a commentary and read it for yourself. The best way, it seems to me, is that God is challenging Jonah's interpretation of events. Okay, in verse 1, Jonah said uh, that, that God did, or what, that Jonah states his belief that what God did, or didn't do actually, to Nineveh is evil. Right? And this made Jonah furious, and so he explains this in, in verses 2 and 3. So now God questions Jonah about this. And, and God is not asking, this is what many translations have it, uh, if it's good for Jonah to get angry. Is it right for you to be angry? Okay, uh, That's the way lots of translations have it. Is it right for your anger to be kindled? Okay, No. What, what God is asking Jonah here is if it is good... he's asking Jonah why Jonah is angry at the good thing God has done. Uh, The best translation is probably something like this, of verse 4. Then Yahweh said to Jonah, Is doing good infuriating to you? Okay, and I put infuriating in there because the word infuriating is the same word used to describe Jonah's anger in verse 1. It says, And Jonah became furious, right? Uh, because the good thing that God had done, Jonah thought, was evil. And we sort of understand why. They're just going to go destroy your people, my people, my friends and family, my neighbors, God. You sent me here to destroy, to pronounce a judgment of destruction upon them, and in the one little act of repentance, you think they're going to change their ways? They're not. They're just going to go back to them. Okay? Jonah sees that as evil. And so... God says to Jonah, is the good thing I've done, this makes you furious? All right, so this first question of God is the pivotal question for Jonah, for the book of Jonah. Um, And it's asked in various ways, uh, two different times in this chapter. We'll see the similar question down in verse 9, where where God asked Jonah the question again, but this time about a plant. (laughs) Uh, and there have been many questions in the book of Jonah, remember, as we've gone through this, about the nature of evil, the behavior of Jonah, the character of God. This one here in verse 4, it incorporates all the questions. 
Okay? God's question bypasses Jonah's request from 4.3, just to kill me. Just kill me, God. Be done with it and kill me. And it goes to the heart of the problem, which is the heart of Jonah. And, and since this question is the pivotal question in the story of Jonah, it's also the pivotal question for the book and for you and me as the readers of this story. When God asks Jonah if his good actions make Jonah angry, you and I, as readers of this story, are supposed to ask ourselves the same question. Do we get angry at how God runs the world when God does good things to people we think don't deserve it, and he doesn't do bad things to people that we think do deserve it, the rapists, the murderers, the child molesters, how come he doesn't kill them? Okay, Does that make us angry? This is the question I am certain God sometimes asks us when we think we could do a better job running the world. <laughs> God is not angry at Jonah, but he is challenging Jonah's interpretation of events. Right, Jonah thought, and we understand why, that it was evil for God to protect the city from destruction. God thinks it's good to do what he did. And now God is inviting Jonah to look at Nineveh from his perspective. And that's what we're going to see in the rest of the story of Jonah as well. Now, I want to point out here that God does not mind it when people question or challenge his actions. You know, I started off today with this question from the atheist. I think that is a good, honest question that lots of people are asking. And we should not tell people, don't say such things about God. Don't question God. You're not God. Right? Don't say that. These are good, honest questions that people have. So when an atheist or a Christian or someone challenges how God is running the world, we can invite them as Jonah, I'm sorry, as God invites Jonah to say that is a good question. Have you asked God? Take that question to God. Or we can take them on a study of Jonah, even. In fact, it's not just Jonah. Many of the prophets in Scripture have asked similar questions of God. Sometimes these questions border on blasphemy. Prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, Jeremiah 20, asked some very pointed, um, angry questions about how God is running the world. You know what? God never gets angry at these questions. He invites people to reason with him, to talk to him when they do not understand or do not like the decisions that God has made. Maybe even we think God's decisions are evil. And the reason God does this is because God is always open to our communication with him, even when we're challenging him on how he runs the world. And so in response to Jonah accusing God of committing evil, God doesn't break off communication with Jonah. Instead, he comes and gently and tenderly invites Jonah to reconsider his position. That's what's going on here in verse 4. All right. Well, how does Jonah respond? Well, we'll, we'll see this in verse 5 and following. We'll pick up next week. But Jonah, basically, he reverts to his typical behavior. He doesn't answer God. Uh, rather than continue to speak honestly with God, he, 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 he gives God the silent treatment, goes back to what he's been doing in the book so far, right? God responded to Jonah's outburst of angry accusations with nothing but tender love. But Jonah refuses to respond to God at all, and he goes to pout 
outside the city. He hopes that maybe, somehow, Nineveh might get destroyed after all. Now, you and I, we know that Nineveh does not get destroyed, at least not right now. But Jonah still has hopes that it will. And we should recognize a bit of our own heart in Jonah. We too get frustrated when God seems to sit idly by and let evil have its way, don't we? We wonder why God doesn't stop the murders and the rapists and the child molesters and the thieves. And, you know, even if, aside from not stopping them, sometimes it seems that God seems to bless them. You know, and they they give the least little indication of sorrow and repentance and and they get glory and praise and the the book deals and the the pastors and the megachurch invitations and the interviews and the... And, and, and then be the rich and powerful and famous. And you think, what? I've been faithfully serving you, God, and honoring you for my whole life. And he's the one that gets the fame and the glory and the recognition. It's not right, God. That's evil. It's unfair. He's not, his behavior isn't going to stick. It just enables evil to continue, God. Anyway, we could go on, but I think you understand the frustration of Jonah. And the truth is, there's no no answers here. God doesn't, not yet, provide any answers for why he does what he does with Nineveh. There's just more questions. In future episodes, we will see how Jonah and God continue the conversation about the justice of God. So I'm not concluding this podcast episode with any answers either. I just want you to feel the tension Because it is the tension in the story. If you're honest, you're like Jonah. You feel that God could be doing a better job of running the world and stopping evil people from doing what they do. At least that's what I feel anyway, sometimes. And uh, we'll see in future podcast episodes what God says to Jonah, and therefore what he is saying to us, to you and to me, about these feeling. So make sure you join us next week. We'll pick back up in Jonah 4-5. Now, a lot of uh, just sort of a foretaste, foreshadowing of what's happening, a lot of this is because of God's grace, um, what God does. And grace is hard to accept when we really understand it. All too far often, we Christians, we want to limit grace, put boundaries on grace. Uh, But God doesn't do that. Grace is shocking and outrageous and scandalous. And when we really understand grace, we we tend not to like it very much. At least when it's shown to others. Anyway, grace is a huge theme in my life and teaching. If you've been around here for very long, you've probably picked that up, read any of my books. Especially been part of the online discipleship group. In my online discipleship group, I spend a lot of time focusing on grace. And... um, what it is, how it works, how amazing grace truly is. And uh, listen, you can learn more about grace, God's grace, for you and for everybody else, the extent of grace, by joining my online discipleship group. You can learn more, sign up by going to redeeminggod.com join. There's a couple different uh, levels there you can join. There's a monthly, there are some fees to join, obviously. Uh, there's a $9 per month cost or an $89 per year. You join the $89 per year, that gives you two months free. 
Uh, either way, though, look, your satisfaction's guaranteed. You can cancel at any time. When you join that $9 a month, join for a month. I don't care. And uh, take, take, learn, learn as much as you can in a month. Download the audio, the, the, uh, the transcripts. And, um, and then if you want, cancel. You won't, you won't be able to take all the courses that way. Uh, but you will be able to get quite a bit for just $9. Um, and if you don't like it, you can cancel at any time. I think you're going to want to stick around, though, because I'm adding more courses all the time. Got one on election coming up, one on prayer coming up, a bunch on church coming up. Uh, these are all in the coming year. Anyway, um, th- these courses are going to help you boil it down, understand the character of God, especially his shocking, outrageous grace for all people, even for those that we think God should kill and destroy. All right, so uh, to learn more, just go to redeeminggod.com join. I can't wait to see you there. As well as back here next week when we pick up with Jonah 4.5. Until then, keep following Jesus wherever it is he leads.